Hey everybody, this is Jimmy. Welcome back to another episode of the Jimmy Tingle Show. Today I have one of my favorite friends and favorite comics on the show today. He's doing us a big favor because this man is notorious for never doing podcasts, ladies and gentlemen. But he said, Jimmy, I'll make an exception for you. I'm thrilled to have. Please welcome Mr. Colin Quinn to the show. Hey, hi, Jimmy. <laughs> hi, folks. <laughs> hey, Colin. Good to see you, my friend. You too. So Colin is coming to the Wilbur Theater on March 3rd at uh, beautiful Boston, downtown Boston. And Colin has asked me and Steve Sweeney to do a few minutes up front. So I'm really thrilled to be doing that. Colin, was uh, that was very gracious of you to ask that, Colin. But it's so funny because I always feel like whenever I'm in Boston, I'm like, I feel such a part of you guys that it almost feels like this is how it should always be. Yeah. To be in Boston and not have my friends who are great comics on the show has always been a little strange. Yeah. Well, usually you're doing a one-person show, though, with a title, so you don't have an opener, right? Yeah, but you could. But, I mean, it feels weird to ask because we're all equal guys. So sometimes, you know, if you ask somebody, hey, do you want to go on my show? They're like, why don't I go on your show? You go on my show. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's always touchy, especially with the Irish. Because Irish people, what I always say about Irish people is if they even think that you think you're doing them a favor, they'll never talk to you again. <laughs> uh, Not that you're doing them a favor, that you think you're doing them a favor. You're dead for life. <laughs> Colin, you love Boston. When did you first start coming up here? I mean, it was back in the 80s, right? Yeah, well, it was that famous time with Sweeney when me and that story I did on the, uh, when Stand Up Stood Out on France Alameda's uh, movie, where yeah. I came up. And the crowd turned on me, and Joe Yannetti had to come on stage and tell them, folks, I'm from East D. This is a friend of mine. We're leaving. And they had to escort me in the kitchen and keep me there until the crowd left so they didn't beat the balls off me. <laughs> I the, love boss. Yeah, but the crowds can be tough, though, right? Well, yeah, especially then. I didn't realize the whole joke of it was I'm looking at this crowd, and they got an attitude, and this is 1980. Five or eighty-six. Yeah, so I'm looking at them. They're blonde and redhead kids with blonde eyebrows, with <laughs> Izod shirts and boat shoes, and so they look like to me because I'm from New York. These kids look like the Kennedys. They look <laughs> like they're from Hyannisport. I don't realize that's how the kids in Everett and Southie dressed. <laughs> you know what I mean? They got pop collars. So I think they're from like, I think they're wasps because I don't know Boston. <laughs> so I'm going, hey, what's your problem? They're going to beat. I go, fuck it. I'm cursing at them. Yeah. And they're getting madder and madder. Then I start to see, you know, peeking out of the eyes out shirt is a sharp bottom half of a shamrock tattoo. You know, maybe I mis misjudge these guys. They look a little, you know, start to realize. Yeah. And the thing is, especially the, in the clubs back then, you had to you had to hit the ground running with the comedy. You had to make them laugh right out of the gate or or yeah. they were like, you know, they were very defensive. Right? Like, you're going to make me laugh now. That's right. And um, yeah, it was. It, but I love Boston so much that that show didn't even matter. I was yeah. I love the minute I got to Boston. I loved it. And I still love it for some, you know, maybe it's because being Irish. I don't know. But there's something about it I just love. Yeah. So they can't. They don't have to love me back. I just love them. Right. Well, you've been making the rounds here for years. You've done, what have you done, like six one-person shows now? Yeah, six or seven. Yeah. Yeah. 
six or seven, uh, long story short, uh, red state, blue state, unconstitutional, the New York story, you know, and I I saw the last one, small talk in New York. I saw that. I saw red state, blue state, great shows. You know what I was always interested though, Colin, how do you, like, how long does it take you to come up with another show? And do you completely stop doing the, the previous show and just start writing a new one? How do you do it? Mostly I do. I film, if I film it, then I'm done with it. But it, you know, like, it's like anybody else. Like, this one now, I didn't film the other one. So it has chunks from the other one in it. Right. A couple of chunks. But I just keep writing. And then, you know, it is you, what you remember, you remember. Comedy is such an unscientific art for us. If people only understood how insane we are, <laughs> when you think about all the material you didn't perform that people have not seen, yeah, there's hours, right? And it's just this thing, and people go, "Well, why didn't you see it?" Because we forgot. Yeah, but don't you write it down? Yeah, but then I lost the notebook. They don't understand. <laughs> We're the most low tech, unscientific art form of anybody because we have I, nobody I, working with us. Yeah. No, I agree, Colin. It is, uh, it's very much seat of the pants. And most of them are not, they're not, ed- I mean, there's not a school for it. It's, it's, you get up there and you do it and, uh, yeah. and, you, and you try to out. connect with the audience. And, uh, but, but it's and becoming more sophisticated this now. This like Emerson is teaching it. And there are schools that are actually there teaching stand up comedy. But like you said, they can't teach you. They can't teach a late show. They can't teach a Friday late show. Right. Because right. you can go up there. I've been doing this for almost 40 years, and I go on that stage, and I have it all set up perfectly, and I know what's going to happen. I know exactly what the punch is. Every show has been going great. And then something changes in the energy, and you can't teach it, but you know you have to go, oh, hold on. <laughs> You people, I can keep. If you're, you have to, you you teaching how to teach, how to keep the allies in the audience when there's <laughs> the enemies and make sure they understand you're not the enemy. Those people are the enemy. That's another thing. <coughs> there's, 50, there's 50 moves like that that you have to learn from experience. Right, right. And Colin, you always develop your shows you end up in the theater but you're developing them in the clubs which is much harder because they're not just sitting there you know with their hands folded waiting for the play to start they're coming in they're ordering drinks there's getting they're getting food people are talking right yeah yeah and it's so funny because here's the sad thing i feel like nowadays and this is a crazy thing i'm going to say but in some ways the theater audience is almost more afraid or more rigid than the stand-up clubs are. In yeah. the old days, the clubs were like, I was like, ah, they don't get half this stuff. They don't want to hear this kind of stuff. And now I feel like sometimes theater audiences are a little bit like, we don't want to hear this kind of stuff. And it's a crazy thing. And that's only happened in the past couple of years. You think it's a sensitivity issue? Yeah, but it's not based on sensitivity. It's based on, it's, it's, it's definitely a sensitivity issue. But it's based on uh, an imaginary offense. Uh-huh. You know, I think this stuff out. I mean, I'm not up there trying to start shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm really, that's not my way I work. Yeah. And I'm saying what I believe, but I'm saying I'm not up there, like, you know, trying to be like transgressive, particularly. Right. I'm just stating what I believe. It's not some controversial statements I'm making, for, but that's 
the culture we live in has gotten to this strange place and it's it's really sad you know what i mean well the shows that i've seen you at the last one i saw in in new york the people loved it when um especially just being yourself i mean I think your audience, because it comes out of the clubs, when you draw people into the theater, yeah. they know you from the clubs on a certain oh, level, yeah. and they know you from Saturday Night Live, and so they know you got the comic, you know, the the comedic yeah. side rather than the 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 hardcore theatrical approach to it. You right. Know? But yet I consider myself hardcore theatrical at the same time. They don't realize that. <laughs> they don't realize the hours I spent with uh, Gary Ramsey doing Alexander Technique. So that I think, <laughs> despite your attacks on me pre-show about my vocal power, I happen to have great projection. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it, it's, I'm not, you still use a mic on stage, don't you, even at the theater shows? Well, sometimes I do because, yeah. you know, it became like a thing where everybody's like, Mike, you know, like we're comedians. Yeah. So, and sometimes when you use that other part, that thing, yeah, it looks a little bit pretentious. You know yeah. what I mean? Even though I like it better because you can move your hands around and yeah. enjoy it. But God forbid people find you pretentious. You know, that's the ultimate. Uh, oh yeah. Sin. Don't you ever use just a little lapel mic that comes up on, on the right, like a couple of uh, six inches below the below yeah, the mouth? Yeah, for some reason this I don't know why this mic now instead of the lapel. I yeah. like the lapel, lapel the best. Yeah, me you too. You get your yeah, hands. Then like, you're rustling. You're rustling yeah. your shirt. You know how it is. <laughs> right, right. Colin, yeah. so when you work, and so it usually takes you, uh, would you say, a couple of years to work out something new? Yes. Yeah. A couple of years. Two years. So when, you, years. when you're coming up to Boston now, the, the show we'll see on March 3rd, is that like a hybrid of older it's stuff, a hybrid, new stuff? It's almost fully developed. Yeah. Put it this way. It's this is the show I'm going to shoot and if this show doesn't please the crowd, then I'm really in deep trouble because <laughs> this show has really worked to where it's pretty fully developed. Yeah. So if this is not pleasing, we're in. I'm in a lot more trouble than one bad night. <laughs> well, what, what is it? Do you have a working title for it? No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> you need a title, brother. <laughs> I know. Well, but it's. But I'll give you the theme. The yeah. theme is that we've had a psychotic break with social media and that this is what happens anytime there's a new, a new breakthrough technology, the brain changes. Yeah. Uh, so the collective and individual brains have changed in yeah. the past 20 years. That, that's the truth. Yeah. I mean, that they, they have d documented evidence about kids attention spans and, you know, in China, well, we, we want, we got people on TikTok. China banned TikTok in China, but they give it to us. They did? Yeah. It's a Chinese company. It's a Chinese uh, whatever platform, but they banned it in China because of what it's doing to their kids. Really? But they, they sell it to us. It's a it's a form of uh, TikTok warfare. Wow. I, can, yeah. I didn't know they banned it in China. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a Chinese company as well. But I know. Colin, so the thing you did at Small Talk, the last one I saw in um, in New York, there was a lot of a lot of comments there on social media and how people can, you know, you can be sitting in your house, you know, in your underwear, having an argument with somebody online. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that stuff. That's from Red State Blue State actually, but yeah, that that's it's still a thing, but it's so now it's 
social media is not even, it's almost like in the old days, like if you commented on people, you know, walking down the street, it's so much of us now that it's, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out where, what reality is. Because right now, this is reality, even though we're remote. This yeah. might be more real than if we were in person. Yeah. And if it's not being filmed, it's not, did it happen? So, like, there's all kinds of things going on where you're like, this is really another level. You know, this is another level that everybody, you know, because everyone has a phone, you know. Right. It's really, it's, it's almost like a given. And anybody who was born, all these people, last night I was on stage, the front row was all these guys, they were 23 years old. That means they were born when they were two years old, Facebook came out. So social media is not something they would even think of discussing anymore. It's part of life. It's like living in a house. Right. What is right? You yeah. know what I mean? They're digital, they're digital natives because the yeah, internet is right. native to the you and me, we're digital immigrants. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. We're, we're from a we're from the land of three channels on television. <laughs> Now that's hilarious. Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean, we've had to adapt. And if you don't adapt, you're sunk. If that's you right. don't continually stay up on everything, you're that's really, right. you know, you can't, it's, it's very hard to, to work as a comic or to work almost in anything now. Oh yeah. No, every field. If you're not, you know, you're and out. Colin. So you, when you do these books now, you have several books as well. Are the books, you know, uh, uh, basically the text of the stage show, or are they different? No, they won't let me do that. I would do it if I could get away with it. I promise you one thing. I was offered another book deal recently. I'll never do another book. Why not? Because it's so hard to write a book, and I'm so spoiled from getting instant feedback to my right. thoughts from stand-up right. that every time you write something funny in a book, you're like, so what? No one's ever going to see it. Yeah, I'm just I'm spoiled. Stand up yeah. spoiled me for book writing. I can't do it. I hate it. Right, it, it takes us so long. Gary Goldman was just on last week. He just got a new book out. He said yeah. it took him. I think he said three years, three four yeah. years. You know, and he was doing. Yeah, and it's yeah. You can't do the same as you act. But yeah, I'm the, I feel the same way. I'll never do one again. Well, I'm why spoiled. can't why can't you like put just you know take red state blue state and that's and then have a book form of it. I tried to uh, do that briefly, but I could probably do that with ChatGPT. Just said make this a book form, and they probably oh, right. do it. Again. Right? Right. Right. I'm kind right. of. I'm even too lazy to do that. <laughs> so listen, how's I'm it? scared. I'm but scared to put my book in the ChatGPT thing. <laughs> but you're pretty disciplined, Colin. To turn out. As many one-person shows and as many yeah. books as you have, what I mean, are you, do you write every day? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's also because I have that thing where it's like I get so mad thinking about what I didn't say that then I'm like, I gotta say that, I gotta write that, and it's like it becomes like an obsessive uh, thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It definitely hasn't made me a happier life, but it's definitely been a, a, the discipline's been. Good in a certain way, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, you're one of the most prolific guys out there. Yeah. You know, I mean, you you are. You Five or six, seven one-person shows. How many books? Yeah. Two. Two books. 
Yeah. Now I remember back in the day, you could easily, I, I thought you could easily take a, you know, cause they're essentially plays that you're doing, right? Right. Right. Are they published as plays? No, no, you could though publish them as a play and somebody else could do them. Right. I would do that in a second. Actually, I sold my first one to some kid in Brazil and he did it in Brazil for years. Long story short. Wow. And I saw, he had this little set, but it was beautiful. He was like this small guy. He came up and met me. Yeah. He did it officially. He could have yeah. just took it if he wanted. I would never know. But right. he came up and met me officially. And he's like, hello. And we had a little uh, coffee. And he, it was so funny. That was 100 years ago, though, you know. Right. No, but I mean, like, I know Eric Bogosian had this sh his one-person show, Spalding Gray, and they were more from the theater world and the literary world. You know, they were well, legitimate actors and writers. Yes. Uh, as opposed to just, you know, stand-up who started working in theaters. But I remember that uh, Eric, you know, they he had his, his show published and it was a book, and so theoretically you or I could get the rights to it and do it, just like any other Eric, play. Yeah. Eric Bogosian, when I first saw his plays, I saw a couple of his plays in the mid-80s yeah. when I first was getting around stand-up. And I remember thinking, now that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I saw Sex and Drugs, and I saw the one before that. And I was like, this guy's, these things are great. You know, I love yeah. them, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and the other one I saw that was a one-person show that was very funny, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. She did a one-person show that was really good back in the day. Yep. She was one of the first ones. Her, Lily Tomlin, Eric Bogosian. Search for Intelligent Life was a masterpiece, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that um, was about, Lily Tomlin's was also about a time, it, it was almost like Goodfellas. It was about the eras of the 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. Like, it was really kind of a powerful thing. I mean, her and Jane Wagner, her, her wife wrote it. Right. And it was a, it was a brilliant piece. Yeah, and it was before anybody was doing it. That's right. There was another guy, Dick Sean. Did you ever see his show? He died on stage. Yeah, yeah, he died on stage. I never in the saw his show. Yeah, I did. I never saw it, but I heard about. I heard it was fantastic, and it was really? around the same time Lily Tomlin came up with hers as well. Jimmy, isn't it funny, Dick Sean? If we looked for a show, you probably it was probably never filmed. Yeah. You imagine living in a time yeah. when things didn't get filmed, and we yeah. did. <laughs> right, right. But Colin, the the show that spoke to me the most because I I saw Eric's show and he did characters, and I said, you know, that's way above me. I can't. I don't do characters. Right. And Spalding Gray was reading, and it was more literary. I said, nah, right. I, I really can't. Right. When I when I saw Jackie Mason, though. When I saw Jackie Mason, I said, I can do that because amazing. he's doing his act. Uh, amazing. I remember him coming into the comedy cellar before when he was getting ready to do his show on Broadway. Yeah. And he was no, he was a, a joke. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't know Jackie Mason. Somebody said, yeah, he's a Catskills guy. We're like, oh, God. Yeah, he yeah. He came to the cellar and he went on stage and the crowd was, you know, looking at him and we were looking at him like, He's a nice guy, but who the hell is he? Some cat skills guy. And then a year later, it's like, oh, that's who he is. Yeah. I'll show you who I am. Yeah. And he put together, you know, his whatever, 30, 40 years of honing that act and the cat skills and just came to New York and just blew it up. But when I saw him, 
I was it was like an epiphany because I said I can do I can do that or that type of show. I can work in that medium doing my act as yep. opposed to characters and reading, you know, like, yep. like Spalding was doing. You know, you um do you work with the same director every time or do you mix it up? Mix it up. Yeah. Who, who, are Always you working with somebody yeah. now? No. Right now I'm still I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to do I'm I did the show with James last time and he's yep. amazing but I'm not doing a show. I'm just going to do a stand up. I'm just going to film it and then see what I want to do cuz I you know, I don't know why. I just I I just I know I have to just do this get this stuff out of my off my plate, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So um and I know that uh James Favo was a great, great director. He helped me a lot in New York when we worked on on mine. Thank you for introducing me yep. to him, by the way. Again, I know he's he's taking a step back. I, I reached out to him. I think he's, I think he said he was going back to school or something. Yeah, I know he's married and got a kid and everything. So yes. that's great. Wish him the best. Great guy. Great director. But th- yep. do you feel that it it helps you having somebody giving you notes and uh. I, I mean, I always find it helpful to, because there's, there's somebody yeah, else, helpful. you know. Oh, it's always helpful to have some outside opinions, of course. Yeah. But you can't always do it. And the audience is going to give you notes, too. And that's the way it goes. Right, right. You know, the audience, so, like it or not, they're a real collaborative part of our business, you know. They really are. More so than any other art, you know. Yeah, Seinfeld was saying, I heard him in an interview say that the audience is really the editor of your sets. That's right. They're telling you what works and what doesn't work. And so I know he directed one of your shows. Which one did he direct of yours? He directed Long Story Short and New York Story. Okay. Okay. And one of, were both of those on Broadway or, or one of them? No. Okay. Long Story Short was on Broadway. And after that, off Broadway. And you know what's funny? You can't make that much money on Broadway. You make the money off Broadway. Yeah. Because on Broadway, you have to pay for everything. Right. It all comes out. All the publicity, all the theater, everything comes out of your out of the money. Right. Off Broadway is a little easier to make, you know, decent yeah. money. Now, you know, none of it's going to be amazing, but it's but it's shocking. How, you think one person on Broadway is going to get rich. Yeah. Because you're the only one getting paid. But there's a lot of other things you got to take out of there, you know. Yeah, there's a lot. A lot there, but how was it working with Jerry? Was that was that good? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like comedians have a certain shorthand that other people don't have, you know. Yeah, yeah, but if it comes down to you and the director about a person, a, a personal choice of to keep a line in or to take it out, it always comes down to the artist. Of course, because <laughs> you're out there. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and you know, comedian. People don't realize comedians are such willful people. I mean, I feel like you have to be. Yeah. You have to be willful, even when you're wrong. When you're <laughs> to be standing in front of a bunch of strangers every night trying to get laughs takes a certain type of personality yeah. that's maybe crazy, but also very strong in a certain way. Right. Oh, yeah. And the punishment, there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than getting off stage, having tried a bit or two bits or like 20 minutes of stuff that doesn't work. It's the worst feeling ever. The worst feeling, but it makes you a stronger comedian Yeah, because it's real. Yeah. 
those people went there to laugh and they didn't laugh. Right. 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 So, you know, yeah. Yeah. I told you what Dave Edison used to say, never blame the audience, even though it's always their fault. <laughs> Colin, being well known and working in the city, you know, there's expectations. I think this happens probably with uh, with anybody who's really well known and successful. Jerry, Chris Rock, anybody who they go, oh, my God, so and so's here. So for them to train yourself included to get on stage do you feel inhibited? Do you feel like you gotta you gotta give them something, even if you really want to try, you know, twenty minutes of new stuff? You really have to you have to prove yourself. Do you feel that? Yeah, but not because look, Jerry and Chris Rock is a whole other level for me. So it's yeah. not even it's not even the same. You can hear by the applause. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so for me, I don't feel that much pressure like they would feel. But yeah. but um. No, I mean, I work so hard. I give them everything I have. Yeah. So if it's not enough, it's not enough. But it's not like I didn't do the homework. So when I try new stuff, it's I work that new stuff. So when I go up there, they're getting 100%. So if it doesn't work, there's nothing I can do about it. I got. I can't do better than I yeah. do on stage. That's how much work I put into this stupid shit, you know? Right. I can't do better. Right, right. But you work every day at it. I work so every day. I can't do more. I couldn't work more on stand-up so i never feel bad because it's all it's everything i got yeah you gave 100 percent. 100 percent. even if it doesn't work it wasn't for lack of trying you know right and but over time over a, a few weeks of the same bits it'll be working yeah i mean or you I'll, get rid of them absolutely yeah. i mean you don't get rid of them somebody you know how it is sometimes yeah. you get rid of them and then you come back and you're like that stupid one setup line changes the whole thing. Yeah, because you yeah. gotta let people you gotta let people be able to into it by th the way they think. You know. Yeah, right. And it, it, it's 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 hard too in a comedy club to judge what works if you're going on fourth Friday night. It's twelve thirty. They're hammered, and you're trying stuff. Yes, and you, you try to figure out you know the Bill of Rights. They're like yeah. what? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the it's Bill really of Rights. Nice. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing you up here in Boston, March 3rd. Right, this is going to be so much fun. Yeah. Colin Quinn, and he asked Steve Sweeney to do a set and myself to do a set. So I'm excited to do it, Colin. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I uh, I know you don't like doing podcasts, but we really appreciate you doing it. And it's going <laughs> to be fun, man. It's going to be fun up here, and we're going to publicize it. And anything we can do to get people in there, man, it'll be great. And it's, right. it's always an honor to see you and always an honor to work with you and to call you my Same friend. Same here, Jimmy. Same here. You know that, yeah. Yep. All right, pal. See you March right. 3rd, folks, the Wilbur Theater. You can get tickets at the Wilbur, or you can also see all Colin's dates uh, at colinquinn.com, the official site of young Colin Quinn. Great <laughs> to see you, pal. 